I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan. Surprise! Another midweek edition of the Wokar, starring in the uh, the main event of the evening. It's G from Wo TV and myself, Michael Morgan. Yes, I'm the main event. I want my pay per view points. Um, once we <laughs> conclude, Michael. But hello, greetings. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Back-to-back -back action this weekend. Bellator 241 coming from Uncasville, Connecticut. And from Brasilia, we have Kevin Lee versus Charles Oliveira at Fight Night 170. But before we go any further, I'm just really, really, no word of a lie, I'm honestly just checking in with you, G, because all signs are that now... Basically, the, the United States is heading for some kind of like lockdown because Italy now has, in terms of the coronavirus, is what we're talking about. The coronavirus now has Italy up there in terms of those affected over 10,000 people. Oh and you're fast approaching over a thousand now. Yeah. It, every day that passes, when I wake up in the morning, I listen to New York News, which is called 1010 Wins, and they update us every morning and the number just doubles every day. So it's spreading pretty rapidly. And mm. we are now, New York is in a state of emergency. And also um, local businesses, universities, establishments are preparing to have employees work from home. And that is currently what's being discussed at my profession, at my job. So possibly yeah. next week I will be working from home, which I don't mind. I love my home and my cat. And... Um, also, too, my hands are really ashy. I don't know about you, Mike, but I've been washing my Definitely. hands. Definitely. Exactly the same. Oh, my God. The ancestors would be ashamed of us if they saw, like, how my hands <laughs> look. Uh, bro. But, you know, I'm going to suck it up. I'm trying not to touch my face. I'm using hand sanitizer. Mm. Quick story. I went to buy hand sanitizer yesterday, and I didn't need it. I just really liked the smell. It was perfumey. And I was like, ooh, yeah. I want to buy this. And um, she had the nerve to charge me $10, and I left that shit. What? I left that bitch right on the counter, and I looked at her like she was crazy. And that sounds illegal, ratcheting up the price because of need. It is. Nah. It is. And right now in New York, you can report these folks. And now that Good. that radio station that I told you about, every morning they mm. show us how to do it. Like they broadcast how to do it because it's out of control. And mind you, folks, and Mike, it was the handheld, you know, the pocket size anti. Yeah. It wasn't like $10. the big. $10. Yes. And she didn't even say anything. Ridiculous. She rang me up and my total was nuts. Mm. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> so it's you got to deal with that you know what i mean it's, it's really messed up there are certain things that we need right now and right now people are are bolstering the prices i, I just think that's so fucked up like people are dying bro like we should be helping each other not ripping each other off you know well over here i have to say they've quickly got a handle of things because nice. there are people actually queuing up with the whole trolley stacked full of um, toilet paper. So, <laughs> funnily enough, I went to the uh, the store earlier, mm -hmm. and um, basically they were not necessarily rationing, but what they were saying was, look, 
there was a lady in front of me. She had must have been about ten bottles of hand sanitizer, and and the the, the shopkeeper or the um, sorry the checkout assistant said, no, it's two per person. Exactly. So she had to she had to basically take you know eight out of her trolley. Yeah, and you know that's why I was glad that. You know, I didn't buy it, not just because of the price, but somebody probably needs that. And I have plenty. I just literally wanted it because it smelled like lavender and I love that smell. But if you think about it, like us buying shit in in excess just out of being panicked doesn't help people that actually need it. You know what I mean? Like, get what you need, bunker down, and wash your hands. That's that's all I'm going to be doing. You know, the, the last thing I'd say about this is, if you are depriving somebody else of obviously buying something which sanitizes their hands, you're helping to spread the virus because if they can't right. actually sanitize their hands, what do you think you are doing? Right, and, and it's so funny. A construction worker... Um, we were having a discussion on MMA Twitter and he mm. was like, I work in construction and now I can't buy the mask that I need to make sure that I'm not absorbing and breathing in the dust that I work around because yeah. too many idiots are buying masks that aren't even helping them with this virus. Oh, like he, he was like, put the word out, G, like stop buying the mask. People that need them, like construction workers and, and healthcare folks don't have access to them because assholes are buying them in bulk and, mm. and come to find out, you don't need them. You need to wash your hands. So it, it, it's pretty crazy right now. And I cannot wait till this is done with. And I really hope our administration is taking this serious. But that's a whole nother conversation. Right? But exactly. Just wash your hands. It's all pretty yeah. wild right now. Speaking of pretty wild, yeah. I'm pleased that we've got a weekend which is stacked full of fights. As I mentioned, Bellator on mm-hmm. Friday and UFC on a Saturday. And I'm glad. Maybe this was by design or maybe this was on accident, but I'm glad that we've got Bellator on the Friday and UFC on the Saturday. I struggle when you've got so many stacked events coming up and you're trying to actually juggle. I mean, speaking of stacked events, just before we come off the whole coronavirus Mm. um, issue, I'm pleased that promotions, especially on this side of the, the, the pond, are actually taking the bull by the horns and cancelling events. We've seen KSW, who are the market leader when it comes to mixed martial arts in Europe. They are the premier organisation. They have cancelled next week's KSW 53. And I do believe Combate America have cancelled theirs as well. And it seems like, you know, people have been really, really responsible in terms of just basically seeing, well, people over profits, which is fantastic. The the thing that worries me, though, is like going forward, how many others are going to follow suit because it could soon be um, in a situation where we're watching events which are closed circuit or as in um, just the fighters and possibly press but no audience. The audience will be actually watching from home. Right. But question for you, Mike, and tell me what you think. Um, The UFC seems to be lackadaisy with their response to the coronavirus because, you know, having gatherings, parades, and sporting events can spread the virus rapidly at a greater rate than just even a crowded train or just shaking someone's hand. So that's why these events are being canceled. Why do you think the UFC just hasn't made mention of this, commented on it, or... 
I don't know. I just seem it just seems like there isn't much being said about UFC and coronavirus. What are, what are your take on that? Dana White was pretty clear. Basically, he was going to be led by the government response. What the government dictates in terms of yeah. safety, in terms of people's health, and safeguarding you know um, people against the virus, he's going to be acting accordingly. Which I suppose is a fair comment. But like I say, I'm glad that you know people like KSW have taken a proactive. Um, stance against it yeah that's what i was um you know didn't see from the ufc but you know we discussed this not too long ago that we kind of assumed that the ufc would just follow the guidelines of the state or the country that they're in because they have a history of doing that when a fighter acts amok or behaves poorly they usually let the commission you know handle that or they let the police in brooklyn handle connor they Mm. didn't really do anything on their part so you can tell they kind of like well we'll let the you know the commission the ref or you know the the government handle it so i'm not surprised that they're make they're taking that stance it, it, well, it makes a, 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 a good bit of sense. Makes sense. And yeah. um, not only that, you don't really want to get into a, a situation where you are panicking people because at the moment there's so much disinformation, misinformation going around. Yeah. It does make sense to have a measured response. But speaking of measured response, these cards this weekend, I mean, that is what I call a measured yeah. response. On Friday, Bellator 241, I would say, you know, it's it's somewhat of a stacked card. We've got the Featherweight Grand Prix starring to show um, Pitbull versus Pedro Cavallo and Daniel Weichel and Emmanuel Sanchez. I mean, the winner of uh, this uh, little mini uh, Grand Prix will be meeting Mm -hmm. in the semi-final. But I don't know if you saw the press conference which featured Pedro Cavallo and um, Patricio Pitbull, but there does seem to be a little bit of beef between the Pitbull camp and SBG. Yeah, you saw um, when they had their showcase, it was almost like them laying out what they're going to be doing in the um, spring and summer um, period for Bellator. Mm-hmm. You had James Gallagher up there. You had uh, Patricia Pitbull. You had Pedro Cavalli. You had a whole host of um, talent on the roster. And um, yeah, uh, James Gallagher was going back and forth, as was um, Pedro Cavallo with yeah. the uh, Pitbull brothers. And uh, it, it got to a, a, a stage where, you know, Scott Coker had to kind of like intervene to say, okay, okay, uh, oh, yeah, wow. kind of like calm things down. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I mean, I missed the press conference. I did see a clip of James Gallagher rushing Cal Eleanor. Even yeah. Though- which was interesting and and it just leads me to believe that they just need to fight they need to let all that aggression out the fight has been cancelled way too many times even they're getting irritated you know what I mean like they went from being friendly to like fuck it we need to fight so that was understandable but I had no idea there was some type of flair or rivalry between Pitbull and Pedro that's that's pretty cool well like I say it's specifically SBG and the Pitbull brothers because this yeah this seems to be like a long running thing Peter Queeley for a while on social media was actually calling for you know one of the pitbulls heads and you know that has actually oh come to God. well that 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 I, I i really do feel um may have actually instigated the whole thing but i'm not sure but all i know is that i love the beef you know the always making trouble moniker that we rock by it fits neatly into that wheelhouse 
well, maybe you need to train an SBG because I just find that everybody <laughs> is always beefing with them. And why? Like, why is everybody beefing with them? Even Ricky Bendeas, he wants to be named, you know, the SBG killer. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he wants his next opponent to be from S. Why is everybody just trying to beat up everybody from SBG? Do they talk a lot of shit? Like, what do you think? Well, is it Connor jealousy? Like, what is it? Well, we'll put it this way. There does seem to be a trait of SBG. And I do love uh-huh. this. And that is... They are very, very vocal about their skills and their prowess, and they back down from no one. They're very, very confident in themselves, and why wouldn't you be? I mean, you've got a well-renowned coach in John Kavanagh there, and, you know, in terms of a roster, the SBG brand itself is fully represented by those people who actually train so i can understand it a lot of people might be dissing me for this but i really do endorse that approach if you've got something good to shout about shout about it loud yeah and i don't mind if you shout about it loud either as long as it's authentic and you back I, i'm it just up. not into the fake stuff yeah as long as it's authentic and you back it up mm. or you try to back it up you go down like a warrior but any fake beef or anything contrived i'm not into but it it does seem genuine that people are really especially in bellator they're out to they're gunning for SBG, and it kind of makes for fun rivalries like i'm totally tuned into ricky bendejas and whoever next he wants to beat up at SBG. you know i want to see brian so, pikeman more um, from SBG take on Ricky Bandeas because they've been going mm. <clears throat> excuse me backwards and forwards on um, Twitter and oh, it just really? seems like the natural step considering you know so far um, you know Ricky Bandeas has put his ex by um, James Gallagher he's put his ex um, by who, who did he uh, tackle recently it was 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 uh, Who, Ricky? Yeah. You mean Franz Malambo? Franz Malambo, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. the, the way I look at it is... That weird it, windmilling it, <laughs> KO. Exactly. It, it's it's time, really, for Brian Pikeman Moore to step up into the fray. But um, speaking of stepping up, it's good to see Paul Daly um, back yes. in action again um, this weekend. He takes on Sabah Hamasi. And um, this, you probably remember, is a rescheduled mm-hmm. bout because Sabah Hamasi was due to take him on yes. um, the fight before last. Um, but that didn't actually come to fruition. I'm just a bit right. surprised, to be honest with you. I don't really see mm-hmm. Sabah Hamasi on Paul Daly's level. And I think perhaps what's going on here is that Basically, Paul's coming to the end of his contract in terms of how many fights he signed for Bellator. And you might remember in previous interviews, he said to me that, you know, he doesn't really want to be fighting past. I think he said his 36th birthday. Well, he turned 36, um, I do believe, um, in February. And um, maybe this is Paul Daly just, you know, riding out on some spectacular KOs and spectacular wins and possibly with a title shot to actually crown what I think is an amazing career. Amazing indeed. I mean, he's 42 and 17, Mm. which goes to show you that he's in the winning column more often than not. And secondly, he's got, you know, so many highlights of that left hand that drops people or he goes to war with like, you know, like a, a Nick Diaz and MVP. So... You know, he's definitely future Hall of Famer somewhere or just will always remember him. But, yeah, it, when you look at his record, too, it's, it's 42 fights. It might be time to hang it up soon. But I do agree with you that I believe this is a showcase fight so that if he does leave, he can maybe 
fight for a title or maybe just have some type of big name fight before he leaves. But before he does that, he's got to smoke somebody like, you know, someone that's not on his level, like Mr. Hamasi, and then have a highlight reel finish, yeah. which I think is going to happen. You know what's really odd? I mean, speaking of MVP and uh, Paul Daly, mm-hmm. we've not heard from MVP in a while. And what was really odd quiet. as well, very quiet. He mm-hmm. wasn't actually matched. I'm not sure if you've seen the developing card from um, Bellator London, which is taking place in May. He's not actually on that card. That may be one of two things. One, um, MVP is one of their showcase talents and perhaps they're going to put him on an international card but that being said if that were the case why wasn't he at the um, showcase event on Monday just gone but two it, it may be that he's um, nursing an injury but either way it's very very That's what I was thinking well it's it's yeah. it's um it's uh unusual for us not to yeah. hear or see MVP and perhaps things are developing and we <clears throat> haven't heard yet, you know, so hold on to hold on for a sec for that. And then also he could be injured, but I, I don't see how he could be injured from fighting because, you know, the people that he fights don't really test him. So maybe it's a training injury or whatnot if there's something going on. But, you know, don't hold your breath. You never know. They could make like an, an, an announcement soon or whatnot because it is conducive to Bellator and it works in their favor for MVP to headline or to fight in London yeah you know yeah and speaking so, you know yeah and and, and and speaking of um showcasing talent Nick Newell is also on the card as is Matt Mitrione and Baby Slice so all in all I think that this is going to be a fun card it's going to be a fun event and there are some big name brand names on there mm-hmm yeah, there's a couple of um, there's a couple of fighters here that that you know have my interest here, and it's like Matt Mitrione, the former UFC vet, is fighting Ronnie Marks. Yeah. you know, there's a couple of things that grab my eye. I love seeing Nick Newell fight. He's fighting Zach Zane, and they seem to be well matched. Nick Newell is sixteen and three. Mister Zane is eleven to you know and seven. Mm. And I don't know much about his opponent, but I'm always dialed in to see Nick Newell fight. He fights with confidence. And I just, I like that he's getting his shot because he deserves it. So, you know, he's a really good fighter. I mean, just on there, um, just mm-hmm. on the issue, you know, the, the glaring elephant in the room, Newell obviously has a, a disability. What's your view? What's your take on Nick um, Newell and actually signing to a promotion where, you know, it, it does actually, as a matter of fact, uh, rely on um, four limbs? Um, I think... Well, first and foremost, big up to Bellator for taking the chance Mm. to sign him because I do remember Dana White making a statement saying that he's not in a rush to sign him. Thus, why he put him on the contender series, because if Nick Newell loses in horrific fashion, I don't Dana said he's not quite ready for the the media and the critics to say, well, what'd you sign uh, someone with a disability for in the first place? You know, so I remember Dana feeling uncomfortable with that. So that's why big up to Bellator for not feeling that way and giving this kid a shot. And I think it was kind of shady that when Nick fought in the UFC's contender series, I forget the name of his opponent, but they gave him someone stylistically that was horrible for him. And in and I think in hopes of losing, so they wouldn't have to give him a contract. Yeah, I yeah. think that's messed up. But my thing is like this. Nick has adjusted properly to his disability. It doesn't stop him from anything. In fact, in his last fight, he used it to choke someone out. And I remember the commentators breaking down how he uses his arm that is actually, you know, th- that that is his disability, that he's missing a portion of his arm. Yeah. But he manages to use it to strangle people. He uses it to his advantage. And 
he makes no excuses. It, it's to me, it's like he has both arms, and that's how I treat him. So mm-hmm. I'm happy he's getting a shot. I respect him, and the dude's a warrior. I've never even seen a boring fight with Nick Newell, so I'm happy he's here. Well, I think that's a, a very timely um, line in the sand to turn Ooh. to some of this week's audio that we've received from some of our listeners. What's poppin', G? Shout out, Mike. What's good? Good show you guys got. Kelvin Gastelum, he showed he showed some interest to fight Rob Robert Whitaker next, right? Rob took some devastating damage in each of those last two bouts. I mean, he won the Romero bout, but he really didn't. He got knocked around towards the end. It was horrible. They probably should have thrown a towel. He basically got knocked out twice when he lost his title. You know, bum rushing Izzy, you know, just 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 being arrogant in there. Assuming he's healthy, do you think he'll ever be the same if he fights KG? Especially considering KG has much better boxing, better head movement. I mean, they're probably going to schedule it for five rounds. <laughs> Look, Rob's durability has carried him this far, right? But if he loses that, will we ever fight for a title again with such a limited talent level? I mean, five rounds against a guy in KG with that defense, that much power. I just don't see anything special in Rob. I don't see anything. I don't see anything in him, you know, suggesting he'll get back to the title again. So what do you guys think? I mean, be honest. I think um, if they book Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum, um, I understand Jake sounds like he's not a believer of Robert Whitaker, and that's okay. <laughs> you can hear like the disdain and the sarcasm in his in his question, and that's why I love audible questions. And shout out to you, Jake, yeah. for a great follow. Um, I think Robert Whitaker can get past Kelvin Gastelum because he's shown us that his fight IQ is incredibly high. He's durable. He's the only man to withstand, you know, the real, not Yo Romero we saw this Saturday, but the real Yo to come at you forward and just doesn't stop. He can, he's durable enough to withstand 10 rounds with that guy. And he's crafty and well-rounded. Like he just knows what to do in any given situation. It's almost as if Robert Ridiker has a contingency plan for everybody. You know what I mean? If you take him down, he gets up quickly. Yes, you got the takedown, but he will get up quickly. He will strike. He mixes it up, and he's hella smart. So I think he can beat Kelvin Gastelum because Kelvin has shown us in the past that he can make mistakes, but he's tough as shit. But it, it's hard to to pick a you know either one because they're such you know they're so well matched. But I think Robert Whitaker can still get it done. And I don't share the same sentiments as Jake. I can hear your sarcasm. And secondly. How to answer if the wear and tear of Robert Whitaker has affected him? Mm. I mean, he looked fine against Israel Adesanya. He just had a horrible game plan and was over aggressive. I can't say that he came in there looking crazy and whatnot. And he looked he looked good in the countdown when he was training. Mike, he looked like a machine. So I don't I don't know if the wear and tear has affected him yet because he's not. You know what? You know whose wear and tear has been affected, Mike? I feel like Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald are not the same. After that war they had. I don't see that in Robert Whitaker. But that's just me. What do you think? You, you see, I do. I see, see yeah. that the wear and tear and the fact that, you know, 
you don't don't forget you know he had like major surgery whilst um he may on the face of things look as though you've made a full recovery that does take some of your soul especially you know really and truly the relentless pace that Israel Adesanya put on him makes me feel there's no way that he would deal with that with Kelvin Gaston yes you're right with Yo Romero he more or less bought the same sort of thing but not with the same intensity as Kelvin Gastelum and consistently. I don't know if you, you looked at the way in which Joel Romero approached that. There mm-hmm. were bursts and yes. there were intense bursts. Mm-hmm. But Kelvin Gastelum bursts, yes. does seem to be a very aggressive, relentless um, performer. And I, th- I see, you know, um, Robert Whitaker folding under that, coupled oh, really? with the fact that I really do feel that um, perhaps, you know, he isn't as fully recovered or isn't as unaffected as he'd lead us to believe following the surgery that he's had. And you think, remember, two-part question, and you think that affects, like, when he gets back from whatever, I don't know if he's injured, the fires or family problems, but he did um, remove himself um, temporarily. Yeah. But when he comes back, which he will, do you think the wear and tear will affect his path to the title? I think so. That's why I said... You know, initially, yeah. I, I do feel whatever it is that he's not just Kelvin. Mm, yeah. I, 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 but the, the I, I do feel. Well, put it this way: I, I can't mm. see if he is affected in terms of wear and tear. Um, it's not as though we're going to be seeing a new and improved. We're going to be seeing, you know, someone who is obviously affected by what he's gone through, whether that be wear and tear of the fights. I wouldn't say so much that. I would say wear and tear in terms of, you know, what he's gone through medically. So personally, I think that we've seen the best Robert Whitaker. But, you know, all of this is speculation. Let's let's give the man a, a chance to breathe. Let him return to the, the octagon and, you know, yeah, I agree. base it on that. But my gut instinct is if you were to put him in with someone like Kelvin Gastelum, I think we're looking at him um, being taken down a peg and taken down a notch because just the relentless pace of Kelvin Gastelum is frightening. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised if we started to see a decline of Robert mm. Whitaker because to this day... I don't understand the game plan he had for Israel Adesanya. Just to charge forward and to throw those looping punches like that is why he got knocked Mm. out, which was surprising because I respect and love his fight IQ. I just had no idea he would run out there like a maniac. And I believe that's that's why he was, um, you know, TKO'd in the way in which he was. I didn't see it as wear and tear. I saw it as a stupid game plan that blew up in his face. But, you know, no, I'm being harsh, but I'm, you know, my apologies, but I just thought it was an unintelligent game plan. Yeah. But we shall see. He's coming back. <laughs> so we'll see. Okay. okay, next up, back to some audio. This is MMA by Milking. Hey, G. Hey, Michael. How are you guys doing? The question is if Amanda Verbas wins this weekend, Seeing as Cavillo and Grasso are out of straw weight, should Verbas be moved within the top five? She'll be 9-1 if she wins this weekend. That's my question. Take care. Always a pleasure. Considering, um, well, who is actually before her, it's a bit difficult to put her and skyrocket her into a, um, well into top five so i'd find it very very difficult um in short is my answer yeah um 
even though he's right, Milken, shout out to you, that Cavillo and uh, Grasso are leaving and going to the flyweight division, I just don't think that's a reason to just bump her so high in the rankings. I believe he said top mm. five. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah no, 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 that's way too high. I think with one more fight or maybe two, she can maybe get closer to the top five, but I think it's way too premature for her to um, be in the top five. Let her beat um, Marcos and hopefully in a static, you know, in, in a static and pleasurable fashion. That maybe that'll get her a jump in the rankings. But then also you can give her other folks, you know, other fighters bef- before we give her that, um, that top five. That's shooting her way too high up there. And we still have a lot to learn about her, you know. So I say pump the brakes on that. Good question. But no, I'm not putting her in the top five, even with those two fighters leaving. She has to get at least two more wins or three. I can see exactly where, you know, MMA by Milken's coming from, because, you know, in the top five, we've obviously got um, Zhang mm-hmm. Wei We've got uh, Thug Rose. We've got um, Jessica Andrade. We've got Joanna Yunjaychik. We've got Tatiana Suarez. Now, Tatiana Suarez has been out for a while. So you'd think... I, I think that's where this, the question was inspired by. But even with that in mind, that means that you'd have to put her above Claudia Gadella. And she hasn't fought her. And and, and, bef- and before you, you even put her in the top five, she hasn't fought Marina Rodriguez, Michelle Watterson. Mm. Um, she hasn't mm. fought even, um, I always mess up her name, Yan Zia, the, one, the, the young lady who just fought Karolina Kovich. The, um, her first name is Y-A-N Yan. She hasn't fought Yan, who's number 11 in the rankings. Like, there's so many matchups you can make. So she's got to start tearing away at the top 10 before you get in the top 5. I understand she's 9-1, and one, but she still has some work uh, to do. Oh, you mean there Yan's you go. Man. She just thumped the hell up uh, Carolina, you know, KK. So, you know, she can yeah. fight her. There's plenty of people, even not even the top 5, besides even Claudia. Mm that she can fight before we even put her in the top five. I would just hate to put her in the top five and she's not ready. You know, because she's not ready. Mm. It was a good question, though. But finally. Oh, absolutely. Last and by no means least, Jim Assun. Jim yes. Deep Voice Assun. My favorite. Take the floor. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Well, there, Mike G... My question for you is, what if Kevin Lee loses? Then where does he go? I know that uh, Dana, or Kevin was saying that Dana told him that if he wins this fight, he gets the uh, Islam fight, but I don't see that happening. So what if he loses? I'm still picking Kevin, but what if he loses? Then what are we doing with him? That's my question for you. Keep up the great work. You guys are killing it. I love your little new Kairos uh, addition to it. Guys are fucking killing it. I love the fuck ass. Keep it up. It's always 420. Peace. Uh, what was your take on Jim's question? Um, great question. Um, that's number one. And number two, win or lose, um, Kevin Lee remains at TriStar. I just want to throw that in there. He should remain at TriStar because I think this is still a good fit, win or lose. Farah still has somebody that is very coachable and seems to be absorbing the information. And I want him to remain there. Secondly, I'm old school, Mike. You know how I am, purist all the way. Mm. So from a purist aspect, if he loses, to me, he has to fight another loser. 
So someone that has just recently lost, not recently, but why not Robbie Lawler? We haven't seen him in a while. Why not put Kevin Lee, give him a name that everybody knows, and then Robbie is coming off a a loss. We haven't seen Robbie in a while. He's a fan favorite. People love Kevin. People love to hate him. Why not put those two big names together and they've had some losses. Now, if you want entertainment value, you know, that bullshit that the birds like, (laughs) you know, like you and a couple other folks, um... I would say give him Michael Chiesa because, remember, he had that controversial loss and Chiesa was really pissed off. Kevin Lee choked him out and got the win even before Chiesa tapped or went to sleep. So why not run that back, especially Chiesa's on fire right now. But he he is coming off a win, so I doubt he takes it. But if you want to revive a grudge match with two names that fans know, why not Michael Chiesa? What do you think, Mike? Well... First of all, I do see him getting past um, Charles Oliveria. Me too. Because what's yep. obviously um, in, ingrained in my mind is the fact that, you know, that knockout over Gregor Gillespie, I mean, that was absolutely incredible. Oh, one of the best of the year. Yeah. Now, granted that Charles Oliveria is on a six-fight winning streak, I, I still see Kevin Lee get it done, getting it done because you're right. He's in the, exactly the... the, the that the well, the precise place he needs to be. Tristar seems to have turned him around. Tristar it's seems to have given him a new lease of life. Yeah. He's now Kevin Lee 2.0. And it, it just seems like you know, his mindset, just that conversation that he had with you, kind of like set me up for this in terms of his mindset is bulletproof now. And you start with a solid mindset and the body follows. I mean, just reflecting on you know that conversation that he had with you, do you think there's anybody going to be asking any questions on that kind of like intellectual level this coming weekend? Oh, I doubt it. You know, I think everybody's moved on from that. But, you know, everybody is still criticizing him and expecting him not to talk shit. It's so funny how people, even at TriStar with this new attitude, he, you know, people are still saying, you know, unhappy with how he acts. And it's like, I could give two shits. Like, we got a good fight coming this weekend. And Kevin Lee is at TriStar and he's hella coachable. And we've seen the results. I mean, he smoked Gregor Gillespie. And I agree with you. I mean, this isn't an easy fight, Mike. I mean, Charles Oliveira hasn't lost since 2017. And that was against Felder. And he's only losing to like top-notch competition as well. He's lost to, he only loses to mid-tier or to high-level fighters. He's lost to Max Holloway. Um, Cowboy, Cub Swanson, and like I said, six-fight win streak, last loss, 2017, and now we already know he's a submission specialist, but now he's he's knocking people out. He knocked out um, his last opponent, um, Jared Gordon, and I think even though I'm high up on Charles, I think Kevin Lee can get it done. I think if Kevin Lee establishes the range, comes forward, takes his time, he can outbox Oliveira, or he can control him with the wrestling that Oliveira seems to have trouble with. But don't sleep on Oliveira because he can submit Kevin Lee. But my money's on Kevin Lee. Even with Oliveira performing so well lately, I just think Kevin Lee is going to be the better fighter that night. I don't know. But you're going with Kevin too, though. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing because it's like Charles Oliveira's on a tear. So it says a lot that both of us still think Kevin Lee can get it done, you know? No, I, I hear you there. I hear you there. But yeah, this fight is that so. um is that lightweight, right? Um, I believe so. Let me uh, have my computer up. Yes, it is. It's a light bait, lightweight bout. Yeah, because in terms of the possible contenders, let's just imagine he does get through, and I, I really do feel he will. 
um, Charles Oliveira. I'd like to see him, you know, against like real top notch, uh, uh, a top notch opponent. How about Diego Ferreira? Um, yep. Diego has a fight coming up against Drew Dober, mm. but if Drew wins and, and, and uh, Kevin wins, why not? Also, let's not forget that Islam Makachev is also on Kevin Lee's radar. I don't know why Islam kind of ducked him before, mm. but perhaps, you know, if Islam wins his bout against um, Aaron Hernandez and Kevin Lee wins his, why not? You know, so many intriguing matchups are out here for Kevin, and I just cannot wait to see, like, where he goes with this. Because I think he has potential to be a title contender or at least a champion one day. I think so. And like I say, his whole... Yeah, I think he's that good. His whole demeanor, as you picked up on earlier, has been changed, I feel, by going to TriStar. But moving on to this Saturday's Fight Night 170, Kevin Lee versus Charles Oliveira. Um, On that card... I have to say, the card isn't that stacked. I mean, I think we were spoiled by, you know, you see UFC 248 last weekend, but um, Damien Meyer takes on Gilbert Burns, and um, this is the one I really wanted to get into. Johnny Walker versus Nikita Krylov, I have to say, um, in terms of matchups, in terms of fights, that's the one that I'm going to be looking at quite cleanly, considering that, you know, Johnny Walker had his <laughs> clock clean. The last time out and you know what I'm still on the Johnny Walker hype train I, I like his demeanor I, I thought that he was very personable when we spoke I like the way in which you know he doesn't seem to have lost um, any of his um, eagerness to show and showcase his skills so I, I'm going with Johnny Walker for a victory yeah. here I mean Nikita Krylov is is a tough super tough opponent but I, I believe and Johnny Walker, I'm still on the um, hype train. I'm not on the hype train. I just think Johnny Walker is a really good fighter that still has a lot to learn. But however, my pick is Nikita Krylov because I think that he can outsmart Johnny Walker. And I think he's just, he's really dangerous on the ground. So I think he has more tools to beat Johnny yeah. Walker because Johnny Walker to me is like, all mm. I've seen from him, he might have more tools, but all I've seen from him is unpredictability and explosiveness for now. Meanwhile, Nikita Krylov, I've seen him, mm. you know, conduct or throw strikes from different angles. He has a black belt in karate, so he has, you know, he's a bit different out there, but he's effective as far as striking. He can mix it up, and also he's really good on the ground. When he fought Glover Teixeira, the scrambles and the the exchanges on the ground with someone like Glover, who's really, you know, has some high-level jujitsu. I was impressed, and he almost won that fight. So he's been through some wars, and he's shown mm-hmm. me more to beat Johnny Walker. So my pick is Nikita. Well, it looks as though we've wrapped up yet another WOCast, unless there was any other yes. points that you wanted to Yes, how discuss, dare you raise? try to end this show and you don't let me talk about my beloved prelims. I should come through the phone and give you... And, and give you coronavirus. <laughs> Shit. How dare you? Let me make, let me make this quick. Um, I have my eye on Jessier Formiga <laughs> versus Brandon Moreno. Uh, real quick, Jesse, Jess Formiga yeah. is a beast on the ground, but Brandon can mix it up, strike, and he's getting better and better. But if, if Formiga takes him to the ground, mm. goodbye, Brandon. And also, too, this could possibly be a title contention type of fight and listeners keep in mind Formiga is the only man to beat Figueredo so keep that in the back of your mind and this could be a title fight 
uh, be prepared for Mr. Elizio Dos Santos versus Alexei Kunchenko. Um, Elizio is just a fan favorite, flashy, does all types of shit, has studied capoeira, and he sh- brings it to the octagon. Aleski is just this hard-hitting brute that just recently had a loss. That's going to be a fun fight. Um, one more, Ronnie Yaya versus Enrique Barzola. Uh, tune in. It's just going to be two... Two banterweights that are just going to try to kill each other. So I suggest, Mike, listeners, you guys listen to these prelims that I'm suggesting and then thank me later when they're fireworks. That's all I got, Mike. I knew, of course, that you were going to be talking about the you prelims. Tried I just wanted it. to yeah. set that up. Yeah, beep, you tried it. Beep. Can you hear me back? Yeah, you're lucky I don't <laughs> cough on this mic and give you coronavirus or, or fight you. And you. I was like, wait a minute. We're not going to talk about the prelims. You lost your mind? <laughs> well that about wraps up this episode of the Worldcast. as usual you can talk and converse and discuss with us any of the points that we've raised on this week's episode i'm at mike wotv and g is at g spot mma and thanks for your audible questions and keep them coming until next time make some trouble